Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, I want to I share the word of God. I had this on my heart for some time, even, even a number of years, that we need to do a, a, a thorough teaching on how to disobey correctly. So I'm talking about um, how to disobey people that are in authority over you correctly. So don't hear what I'm not saying. See, 99% of the time you should be in, in submission to your authority and submission to those that are in authority over you. But it's, it's only when they are leading you to do something clearly, directly against God's commandment to you, God's instruction to you. And it has to be clear. So in most cases, we're walking in absolute obedience to the authority that's over us. I want to... I Lay a foundation because this is really, really important because I believe this is the wisdom of God. Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about that we are united in the essential faiths, the essential doctrine of, of the gospel, of, of there's one faith. And that one faith is the Lord Jesus Christ who came through a virgin birth, lived a perfect life without sin, died on the cross, uh, you know, was judged in our place on the cross was buried, was resurrected, and defeated sin and death. And anyone that repents and puts their faith in Christ, that is the only way for salvation. That's the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to have a relationship with God. And God imputes to you, gives you the gift of righteousness. And so uh, that's the faith. And we're talking about here in Ephesians, it says, um, with all humility and gentleness, verse 2, with patience or perseverance, showing tolerance, for one another in love. Why do we show tolerance for one another in love? Because that's what love does. We show tolerance. We are persevering in love. It says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. So God expects us to have unity in the Spirit, right? The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word peace means to be made one. But how is the body of Christ made one? How does God make us one in Him? Well, it's being united in the essentials. And here it is. There is one body. We've got to believe that in all our hearts, that there is actually one body. The Father God in heaven looks down on the earth and He sees one body of Christ. He doesn't see fragments. He doesn't see it divided. He doesn't see one body over there, one body over there, and all different bodies. We might see that. We might have divisions and we might attack one another, which is wrong. But God the Father sees one body here on earth. There is one body. And in, in that body also is different. You know, we know the Bible in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 gives us instructions. Just like your physical body, there's many parts. Each part has its own function, its own distinct design, its own distinct purpose and functionality. And it, and it functions for that purpose, but it's completely different to another part of the body. But it's still in the same body. It's still that one unit. It's still working together for unity in the body. When a body is healthy, you have unity. That's really what it is. It's, it's, it's not disease, but it's ease. It's the ease is happening in your body because it's not disrupted. And so each part of the body has different functions, different personalities. So, And so... There is one body, one spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all. So one Lord, one faith, one God. Now this is what unites us. In the essentials, we're united. You might think different. It's in, 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 further on, it talks about the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. They're all different gifts given by Jesus. Completely different operations. Completely different functions. Completely different in their expression. Completely different. Yet it builds us up into maturity. And it's to bring us into the unity of the faith. Not doctrine, not methodology, not culture, not personality, not the way we do things, not the way we express our faith, but the unity of the faith. That's what unites us. Now, that's got to be the foundation because we are going to differ on many things. The way we worship, the expression of our worship is going to differ from different countries to another country, but we're still united. There's different cultures. I go to India or Africa, completely different cultures. So the gospel is preached and, and, and it's expressed in a different way compared to it is here. And so, it, but we're still one faith, one Lord, one God, one baptism. The cultures don't divide us. Our differences don't divide us. The, what we, even some of, some of our doctrines on healing or doctrines on the baptism of the Holy Spirit or doctrines about the end of the world. We might differ in those doctrines. Don't let those differences divide you from being united. So that the, the essentials unite us. This is so important because I know immature Christians will allow the enemy to divide you in your heart and allow these issues to actually divide you. And in your heart, you see as, as it's been divided because you don't see it as one. You don't see them as one. You see, oh no, it's a division because they don't think like me. They don't believe like me. You get insecure about your position because you find your identity in your teaching or your identity in your position rather than your identity in Christ. And so this is, that's important. That's the foundation. Now, when you turn to um, Romans chapter 14, quickly, I just want to show us this is the foundation of understanding these things. Romans 14 is really clear and we, won't have, we might not have the time to go through all the scripture. I'd love to read the whole chapter, and, but I really want to encourage you, read the whole chapter for yourself over and over and over until you actually get it. Because Paul is teaching some wisdom here. He's given us amazing, Paul the Apostle has given us amazing insight. He says, now accept the one who is weak in faith, so there's different levels of faith. Yes, there's one faith, but there's going to be different degrees of faith. You know, because at the end of this chapter, it's really important to understand, he basically concludes, whatever is not from faith is sin. And as we all have a relationship with God, and we're all relating with God from faith, from a revelation that, see, faith, faith, Faith um, is uh, sorry. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yeah. So faith comes by revelation. So this revelation gives me faith. It gives me a real trust in a person, God, and I have a relationship with. But there's different degrees in this maturity level of faith, and so it, that's why he says, "Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Don't judge him because he thinks differently, has a different opinion on you. Don't let that be a dividing issue." One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables, right? The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. Now, we're talking about eating certain foods and, and eating certain foods on certain days. And, and in, in, you know, you've got to remember, this is a, a lot of people have got an understanding of certain foods weren't allowed to be eaten from the Old Testament. Uh, pork was one of them. So, But someone in the Revelation of the New Testament realizes all food is 
uh, acceptable to be eaten now because Jesus Christ has made everything clean and we're clean and all things are pure to them that esteem it to be pure so we can actually eat pork and give thanks for it and pray but someone that's weak it doesn't understand that they can eat pork and they don't eat that so but they're not convinced it says the one who eats is uh, is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats for God has accepted him who are you to judge the servant of, of another? I love that. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? In those days, you think about a servant has a certain condition, um, requirements, conditions to meet with his master. Who am I to judge someone else's servant? This person has his own condition and agreement with his master. I have my own agreement with my master. It's completely different to yours. And, and, and Paul says, you would never judge someone else's servant. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? I've got employees, I've got certain agreements and conditions with our employees, but who am I to judge someone else's employer in another church? Yeah. And their, their conditions or their agreements of how they create an employment contract, for example. And so we don't have a place to judge other people's servants. It says, to his own master, he stands or falls, he will, he, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Right, I can read it this way. Like I know, I know there's these issues with the with the um, vaccination. Should we get vaccinated or shouldn't we get vaccinated? Some people, uh, you know, uh, are pro-vaccination, and some people are no way. I'm not going to get vaccinated for some reasons, good reasons. They might have certain reasons, medical reasons, or other conscience reasons, and so they don't want to take the vaccine. But those things, whether they take it or don't take it, should not divide you. Should not create an a, an a contempt with an attitude with those that have taken it. You know, um, one person regards, and he goes, one person regards one day above another. And it's talking about regarding a certain day as holy, therefore I keep this day as holy. And another regards every day as the same or alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, give them the freedom to have their own relationship. Let them be fully convinced in their own mind on how they fulfill their walk and relationship to their own master. And I love, he pretty much says, he, he talks about observing the day, but he goes on to say, for not, 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 so no one of us, so not, for not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. Yes, but you, why do you judge your brother in these matters? Even in vaccination matters. Why do you judge someone whether they take it or don't take it? Why do you allow that to be an issue? Because it's a real issue. I've heard stories, and we're talking about even outside of the kingdom, outside of the church, families uh, that don't know the Lord. It, it has divided them. I've heard stories and testimonies where people have said that brother is no longer speaking to me, or it's dividing husband and wife. I've heard stories where they've actually wanted to ask to kick people out of their home on the basis of someone's not taking the vaccine or someone is taking the vaccine. And so, yes, it's a, it's a real issue because it's about your health. It's biological. It's, it's really important to you. Someone could, you, not, you might know someone that has died from COVID and, then, and someone else might have had a, the vaccine and had a, a, a side effect, an adverse side effect. So it's, it's very, very sensitive, yes, but we should be wise enough to realize I'm giving you the freedom to make up your own mind and you are a free person. See, as an eldership, we are called to govern the church, yeah. lead the church. We're called to feed the church. We're called to lead the people to Jesus, not to us. 
We're also called to teach you how to think, not what to think. So I'm not going to give you a decision. I'm not going to say, oh, this is what you should do, because that would make babies out of people. You are old enough, mature enough to make up your own mind, and you are free to make up your own mind. And so we're not passing judgment either way. And um, again, you can't find in the Bible any scripture that says they shall not vaccinate. Or they shout, you should vaccinate. It doesn't say in the Bible. These things is you've got to, out of your revelation, faith is always the key. It's always your level of revelation, your faith level of where you're at. I, you know, for me personally, I've always said this. It's always been my level of faith. Um, I've never taken vaccinations when I went to India for many, many years, for 30 years. And, you know, like, because I just trusted God to protect me. Um, but if I had to take a vaccination, which this COVID vaccine vaccination, I had to take it so I can preach the gospel, so I can continue traveling the nation, so I can get on an airplane and preach to people that are lost. I always said I would take it for that reason only. And that's why I ended up taking it. Why? Because of my faith is I want to keep preaching the gospel. And also I know that if there is anything harmful in it, I'm going to have faith enough to, you know, what Jesus says, you drink deadly poison and it will not hurt you. So I've released my faith that when I took the vaccine, it won't harm me. It won't affect me. That's just, that's where I'm at. Then, so I'm not saying that that's what you should do. I'm not here to tell you what you should do. I'm here to teach you how to think. And he goes, but, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt in these matters? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. What is he trying to say? We're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. You will give an account. It actually says in verse 12, So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. It's quite clear, guys. We're going to give an account for God for every action, every decision, every word we've spoken, everything we've ever done. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. I mean, I've got this revelation probably 30 years ago. I learned that I'm not going to pass judgment on brothers and sisters, other people, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. And I love his attitude here. I'm not going to put a stumbling block in someone else's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. This is what mature Paul is saying. He's a mature man, knows his God. He knows Christ in him crucified. He says, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. I took the vaccine and I have faith that it won't harm me. I have faith that God will protect me. Someone might not take the vaccine and they also exercise their faith that God will protect them from the consequences or from any, uh, you know, uh, whatever, results. Vice away. I'm just trying to say that they're trusting God to protect them from the COVID, for example. They're releasing their faith from anything, from not taking the vaccine. And so they're both putting their faith in God. They have their own relationship with the master, Jesus, and they all stand before God. Each one will give an account of themselves. And we're not to pass judgment, Paul says, in these matters. If you do, you're going to create division. See, and that's that's the issue here. And Paul's saying now, he goes, I'm, I'm convinced there's nothing impure of itself. He goes, for because of food, because for if because of food your brother is hurt or is distressed or causes to grief, he says, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying, if you're about to eat food, even if in, these, in some instances, 
he teaches it in Corinthians that if, so, if you're going to eat food that's offered unto an idol and, and you know there's no idols, you know that's not going to affect you, you can eat it. But if they tell you, hey, do you know this food is offered unto idol? He says, don't eat it for their sake. He says, he says for their conscience sake. He says, not yours because you know there's no idols and you just worship God and you, you're free to eat. He says, but why is your freedom judged by someone else's um, you know, uh, conscience? That's what Paul says. But he's talking about walking in love. And he's talking about in that instant, is they're, they're, they're going to stumble. You're allowing that person to stumble because they're saying, hey, we, we've offered this to an idol. And, and now you know, now for his conscience sake, don't eat it. Now that's another teaching altogether. But we're talking about the rule of love here. Paul is saying that I'm free to eat meat because I have a revelation that I'm okay about it. But if someone's weak and he's near you and he's going to stumble and he's going to go, oh my God, why is he eating that meat when he shouldn't be eating that meat because they had certain rules in those days? Why should he not eat that meat because that, shouldn't, that was offered to an idol or whatever that might be fearing it? And he says, for that sake, I won't eat meat if it's going to let someone else stumble. Because he says, for he who is in um, verse 16, for he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up for one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are, all, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. In other words, out of love, I choose not to do something that I'm free to do because someone else is weak nearby, or weak conscience I'm talking about, and they'll make them stumble. And it says, it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God, your own relationship. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. So that's the golden rule. We're walking by faith in our God, in our own relationship. So I'm, I'm going to give you, everyone's at different levels of faith. I'm going to give you all the freedom to walk in your own faith, to keep your loving relationship with the Lord Jesus intact. And so that's why we don't make rules and regulations. This is what we're going to do, you know, because you're free to make your own decisions. Now, really, really quickly, Romans 13. I mean, uh, before I move forward, I want us to really, really believe. Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's in verse 12. It says, for, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Do you really believe that? Yeah. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not physical. Our warfare is not physical, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, right? So, so hear me, the principalities, the, 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 the real wrestling is spiritual wickednesses in heavenly places, rulers of the darkness of this world. They're real entities, real beings, fallen angels that are ruling, not flesh and blood. So the government's not our enemy. Please hear that. No government, physical government, people are not our enemy. And I really believe that Paul understood this. He even outworked it, that people in authority wasn't his enemy. Even when those people in authority came against the word of God. And so, so he could teach these things. And he says in chapter Romans 13, he says, Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So all the authorities that exist are established by God. Wherever you realize it or not, if we didn't have people in authority, if we didn't have the authorities, and we're talking about the, the, the politicians, people in authority, the, the premiers, mayors, governors, people that institute laws, judge, policemen, who, you know, uh, you know, enforce the law. If we didn't have all these, we would actually have anarchy. 
The opposite of people in authority is people do whatever they want because there's no consequences to their actions. And you'll be surprised how much it protects a, a, a nation or a people when there's people in authority. And the Bible says those that are in authority are, are put there by God. And he's actually referring to, or Peter said the same thing in First Timothy, First uh, Peter chapter two, verse thirteen. He, he says exactly the same thing what Paul is saying. And Nero, the Nero was a, a, a dictator, cruel leader, known, and that's who was in leadership. And Paul is saying, submit even to the king, submit to them, honor the king. He spoke these things out. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God because God put them there. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And if you oppose the authorities, now I believe that's referring to every civil law that's been given that is not contrary to the word of God, we should obey. Like, like speeding, let me use speeding for example. It's not contrary to the word of God. Like it's not coming against my faith in God to, not, to speed. You know, like it's not like God told me I should get in a car and speed. No, but speeding will protect lives. And many people, uh, you know, if we all just broke the law and we all sped, there'll be many more accidents, many more people will die. And so that law is to keep people safe and, and, and so on. But if you broke the law, you're going to have the consequences of paying a big fine. And if you don't pay your fine and you keep doing that, you'll end up going to jail. And so there's consequences. That's talking about uh, we receive condemnation upon ourselves if you keep breaking the law. Same with stealing, same with all the different things that can send you to jail. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. People in authority aren't causing fear to those that are going to obey and are good, good people, but for evil people. Do you, want to, do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you'll have praise from the same. I, I thank God for police people. I'm not saying that every policeman is perfect, but I thank God for them because I know if they weren't in place, I know how bad the, our community would be. I know that we'd have anarchy really, really quickly. For it is a minister of, sorry, those people in authority are ministers of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for if, if he does not bear the sword for nothing. For, it is a, for he is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. In other words, you should be in subjection, not only because of the, 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 the judgment that would come if you disobey, but even for your own conscience sake. And he, uh, he, on, he goes on to say, for because of this, you also pay taxes. In other words, for rulers are servants of God, de devoting themselves to this very thing. I mean, how many people complain about paying taxes to the government? But yet the taxes is for our well-being. The taxes are instituted, put in place, so that we've got roads, so we've got hospitals, so we've got the police force. We've, we've got all these things in place that protects our community, many, many things like that. And so we have a great nation because we actually pay taxes. And instead of complaining, paying taxes, let's pay taxes with faith and pray for the government that they use the finances well. But he says, that's the reason why we pay taxes and for rulers. And he goes, render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whose custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Now Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who do the kings of the earth um, ask for taxes and customs from? Who do they ask from? Their, their, their children or strangers? Peter goes, oh, from strangers. Yes, so the children are exempt, aren't they? He's talking about himself, even the temple tax. Yes, the children are exempt, aren't they? And, he, and, and he, the answer is yes. But Jesus says, so that we won't offend them. Go get a fish, get the two coins 
and pay the tax for you and for me. So, so Jesus paid taxes. You know, like, you know, he's the son of the living God, but he submitted to the authorities. And he says, who, they, should be, they, should only tax, they shouldn't tax their children, but they tax strangers. In other words, he's talking about, I'm the son of God, and I'm still going to pay tax. And so, so he submitted to the authority. I can't find any scriptures in the Bible where Jesus attacked the Roman Empire. And where he, you know, he wasn't here to attack the Roman Empire. He was here to bring the kingdom of God in. And every time he preached the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrated the kingdom works and miracles and signs and wonders and people submitted to the King Jesus, they actually dethroned Rome. They dethroned the Caesars of Rome because they bowed their knee to Jesus in repentance. And that's how he came against it without coming against it, if that makes sense. He never attacked them with his words. He didn't come. It wasn't, you know, the, the, for we don't, flesh, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers and, and, and rulers of the darkness of this world. You know, I've heard people say, why are they, I've heard statements in social media, why are they trying to divide the church? Who's the they first? And, and if you're referring to they as the government, the government's not trying to divide the church in this matter. Now, you might, you might think differently, and that's okay, but at the moment, the way I'm viewing it, the way we're prayerfully looking at this, the government is treating the church just like everybody else. Now, if they made a rule that the pubs can open up, the clubs can open up, restaurants can open up, all the venues can open up, and they can sing and dance, but the church can't open up, now it'd be a different story. Of course it'd be a different story. And I think at that point, we have a right to disobey because it's a clear persecution against the church. But it's not. They, they're in their light, in their understanding. This is a real disease. Just in case you didn't believe it's a real disease. Because people, I know about a year ago, I've heard a lot of conspiracies. I'm quite understanding of some of the conspiracies. Not that I give all my time to it, but I know about them. And uh, I know people, friends of mine, close friends of mine, that, that, that believed it was made up by the government, stretching the truth, making it bigger than it is to control people, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, the question, is, first of all, the government's not the enemy. The government, the people in authority are doing their absolute best with the light they have, with the understanding they have, with the revelation they have to protect people and care for people. It is a real disease. At the moment, recorded, there's 5 million people that have died. Yeah. And some people say up to 18 million. They, they reckon that the figures aren't correct. There's way more than that. And the, at the rate it's going, if it doesn't slow down, there's another 1.8 million people that will die in the next year if it keeps at that rate. But obviously the vaccination is this, this natural world wisdom to, to stop this thing. God gives us wisdom. God gives us revelation. God gives us scientists and doctors. And they've come up with this thing to help combat it. Now, again, um, whether you, you believe it or not believe it, it's, it's your choice. If, you know, like... All I'm saying is it's human beings doing their best. Now, do I believe there's a principality powers behind this whole thing to control people? Yes, actually I do, but it's not government. It's not people. It's a principality. They'll use disease. They'll use fear of death. They'll use fear to control people. But notice they're controlling people, not just the church. Now, when I, please hear my, what I'm I'm saying it's more a social issue at the moment than an attack against the church and trying to get the church to not preach. Now, first of all, who is the church? Now, we just bought a building two, three months ago, but the building's not the church. Good. We, you know what I'm saying? The building is not the church. So, so they have not held back the church. And maybe it's God's way to refine the church, purify us like gold, put us through this fire, so to speak. Not that God's made it happen, but put us through this fire in the sense that we can get our eyes on the real issue, 
keep preaching the gospel. That's why we said this should not stop us preaching Jesus, communicating Jesus, discipling the nations. The mandate stays the same. The mission stays the same. Nothing has changed. We continue in what God's called us to do. And methodology changes, yes. And so there's still elders in place. There's still deacons in place. There's still saints. There's believers. We go out into the community. We lay hands on the sick. We witness. We tell people about Jesus. We disciple them through Zoom. Zoom connects. Do all that we can to disciple people. And maybe God is purifying us through this all. Now, now there is a place I, I just want to show you in, in, um, in Acts chapter 4, really quickly. This is really important to see. Because the apostles and Peter and Paul and those guys, they resisted those that are in authority when it was very clear they gave an instruction against what God gave them. Okay, clear instruction. And so um, chapter 4, verse 15, um, this is what they say. But when they had ordered, this is when the, when the apostles were, um, they were, they, they were, they just said, oh, they're uneducated men, they're untrained, but we, we recognize that they've been with Jesus. So they brought them before the council. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to counter, uh, confer with one another. So they left the, 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 the council the, in authority of Pharisees, rulers that ruled. They actually released authority and they were rulers. Says, what shall we do to these men? They said to each other, what should we do about the apostles, right? For the fact, this is the miracle of the, the lame man at the gate beautiful. For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them as an, is, in, is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. This guy was crippled for 38 years and now he's healed and, and they didn't know what to do. But so that it will not spread any further. This is the Pharisees, the same guys that um, crucified Jesus, the same guys that sent Jesus to his death. Yeah, but so that it will not spread any further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Clear instruction from people in authority that against what God has told them to do, which is preach the gospel, but so that it will not spread. So uh, verse um, 18, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them. Now they're telling them in, in face to face, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed in this area and in this issue of not speaking and preaching in the name of Jesus. That's it. Because in other areas, they were still walking in obedience to those people. Yes, in this area that you're saying not to speak and preach in the name of Jesus, yes, you judge rather than, yes, you give heed to you rather, should we give heed to you rather to God? You be the judge. Peter is saying, you tell me, who should I obey? God or what you're saying in this area only though, which is continue to preach the gospel. But Peter and John answered and said to them that, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, we will continue to obey God. God's told us to speak and teach about Jesus. We will continue that. So they did. So as they did that, um, you pick it up in chapter 5. And in, um, in verse 17, they threw him in jail. They threw the apostles in jail. The angel came and, and released them. And when they looked for him in the jails, uh, the apostles were released by the angel. They're in the, they're in the temple again, preaching about Jesus, going against the very word of the authorities that told them not to preach and teach. And so um, they, they grabbed them. And Gamaliel speaks here. He's one of the leaders in authority and says, look, this, this could be from God. Maybe we shouldn't fight this. You know, we've heard these guys went to rebellion and revolt. 
and they took these people there and they died in the wilderness and these guys, they also rebelled and that happened to them. Yes, and if this is of God, then, then God will sustain them. But if it's not of God, you might find yourself fighting against God. This is what Gamaliel said. And then this is what happened here. In, in chapter 5, they, verse 40, they took the, his advice to, to leave the apostles. But look what they did. And, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. They whipped them. People in authority flogged them because they continued to preach. This is the consequences of disobeying people in authority. They got flogged. They got whipped and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. They ordered them again. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. They flogged them. They whipped them. 39 lashes around that, right? Look what happens here. So they went on their way from the presence of the council of the apostles rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. Jesus as the Christ. They continued preaching. They rejoiced. This is a great attitude. So you cop the consequences from those in authority. They got whipped and they didn't attack them in their authority. They didn't go out and let's just come against the authority. I can't believe they did that. That's so much injustice. We've got to have a movement. We've got to revolt. No, they just went out and continued to preach Jesus. They continued to stay focused on the mandate, on the mission. They didn't go on the, some rebellious attitude and attack the, the people in authority. Let's go fight them. And, you know, this is wrong and everything. Like, like it, it just, I love the attitude. Because the attitude was, we rejoice that we were counted worthy to suffer for His name. We rejoice. And throughout the whole Bible, we're talking about kingdoms. We're talking about Nero as a king. These people that are subjects, they don't vote the king in. They don't have any rights to vote you in or not. We're completely different in the Western society. And so, so there is a place. Please hear what I'm saying. There is a place. If God has called you, if you're that part of the body, a certain function, a certain um, purpose of the liver, the kidney, the, you know, the, the, the intestines, a certain function that's different. And, and you're called to become a political leader. You're called to lead. as part. We've got some amazing men and women in leadership. You're called to change the government. You're called to speak up for our rights and for people's rights and for abortion and for same-sex marriage, all these different things, you know, you know um, or against same-sex marriages, I should say. But if you're called to speak forth these things, then, then go for it. But you're going to do it with a great attitude. You're going to do it with honor. Sometimes we fight for something that's right with a wrong heart makes it wrong. Automatically, you give it a bad testimony. I say it again. You fight for something that's right with a wrong attitude, with pride, with arrogance, with violence. I believe in protesting the right way with the, with, with, within the, 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 give, the, the given authority and laws within the nation. I don't believe in violence. Martin Luther King uh, Junior, who, who, who protested, he, he did it with love. He did it with peace. He laid down his life. They were totally against violence in America. They never protested in any violence and they got the job done, but he ended up getting killed for it. So, so what happens is w- when we do disobey authority in the right heart and attitude, and this happens with husband and wife, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. In, in, in Ephesians, submit to your husbands. And that sounds like, wow, that means we have to submit to our husbands no matter what they say? No. It's, and in Colossians, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, if your husband is asking you to do something that's contrary to the Word of God, if they say, no, you should not be worshipping Jesus, you should not follow Christ, you should uh, not go to church ever again, I believe a wife has the right to say, I cannot leave my Jesus. He's my Lord. And if, if it means the consequences, he leaves you, the Bible says, 
Let that be. So, so there is a place of disobedience to your husband if your husband is giving you a clear direction against the word of God. If your husband is saying to you, oh, 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 you know, like, I don't know. I've heard a story once many, many, many years ago. A wife said, oh, I, I smoke dope because my husband is unsaved and he wanted me to smoke dope. So I wanted to submit to him. And so she went to smoke dope. You've got a right to say no. Just say no as a believer to your husband. See, that's a person in authority. Same with employees to employers. It says um, employees or servants obey in everything your masters. But obviously it's not saying in everything, no matter what they say. If your employer or your master, let's say your employer, asks you to lie to make a deal, I believe you have a right to say, no, I can't do that. If that goes against my conscience, we're respectfully, sorry, but I'm not able to do that. And if you lose your job, if you lose the deal, if you end up, you know what I'm saying? Whatever consequences, have a great attitude. Realize he's not the enemy. Realize he, he's not the enemy. There's a principality behind it. Yeah, but he's not. Paul, I know I've got to finish now, but, but Paul, what's the time? Um, Paul was, Paul was um, being bashed by the Jews, by the people in authority. We're talking about the rulers of the day. The Pharisees, the rulers, created the crowd of the believers and the Jews to kill him. And they were bashing him to a pulp. He's about to, if they kept going, he would have died. The Roman centurions heard about it. They got their horses, got on their horses. They rushed to the riot. And they, the moment they saw the soldiers come, they stopped. And so they grab him, thinking he's some sort of revolt person. What's he doing? Why are they trying to kill him? They bring him up the stairs. And Paul motions to the, the centurion and says, look, can I, can I talk to them? The very people that's trying to kill him, people in authority over him, that instigated all this. He says, can I talk to them? Why does he want to talk to them? Because he loves them and he wants to preach the gospel of love. He wants to give them salvation. He preaches Jesus to them. He shares their, his testimony. Think about the very people that's killing him. He, he's got an attitude that he wants to save them. He doesn't see them as the enemy. He doesn't see them as the enemy at all. He wants to save them. And so he gets a chance to share the word to them. And he does for some time. And eventually they, they all uproar again and they have to take him away. And, and then, then, then the people in authority, the Romans, remember Paul's the one who says submit to all their authority, submit to those at authority. And now the Romans tie him up to, to scourge him, to whip him. So people in authority are doing something wrong, injustice. It, and, he has, and he says, uses his, um, his rights as a citizen. He goes, do you realize I'm a Roman citizen, uncondemned, and you, without a trial, you're going to whip me? And so they, the, the, the person goes tells the, the commander, and says, do you realize he's a Roman citizen? Goes, what? They got scared. He's a Roman citizen. They're not allowed to do that. They were about to do something that was wrong. And he spoke up and used the fact that he's a Roman citizen. So, so there's a place in doing it in the right heart and attitude. You know, Wilberforce, to, to, to set free the slaves in England. He did it, I think it was like all his lifetime. He dedicated his whole lifetime. We're talking about a lifetime of great attitude. To have a good attitude, to have an honor, to respect. You know, I hear people saying that, you know, we need to speak up against authority, da, da, da. There's a way to do it. You know, um, someone said Esther spoke to the king and spoke up for the people of God. Yes, she did, but she was the queen. She had relationship with the king. She even did it respectfully. She did it wisely. She prayed. She fasted. She sat down over a meal and respectfully got the king's attention and, and, and acceptance to be able to sit with him and, and actually said, this is my case, and did it wisely, hum, with humbleness and everything. Great attitude. Never attacked the, Mordecai. Never attacked the person in leadership. And same with Nathan, who's the prophet, to the king who corrected the king David when he sinned. But Nathan's a prophet in relationship with the king, knows the king. He's a friend to the king and has spoken to the king. And he still did it respectfully and wise. 
And so Daniel, again, with all the kings that he served, Daniel served three kings. And there was a decree given by the king that you should not worship um, anything else or anyone else except for this statue. And yes, it was connived by all the others that were against Daniel, but Daniel got up and worshipped the same way. And then he gets thrown in the lion's den. And at the end, when the lions don't kill Daniel, he goes, Oh, king, live forever, respectfully and honor to the very person that put him in there. The very person that had the authority to stop him from going there. That king who Daniel served, he goes, Oh, king, live forever. And he respectfully addresses him after risking his life to the point where he could have died, been ripped apart by lions, but God protected him. Now, there's this story after story in the Bible that is disobedience to to authority, when the authority is clearly given instructions, clearly against the Word. Now, I believe unless it's clearly against the Word of God, we, we should humbly submit because there's the, the, God has put them in authority. God has put them in authority for a reason. And, and if you choose to disobey in a particular area, you've got to do that with a great attitude. You've got to do that with humility. You've got to do that with respect and love and honor. Not rebellious, not contempt. I mean, Paul said, not, not contempt. Don't be contemptuous. Don't attack. And there's a lot of things I can talk about. And, and, and the elders are we're discussing and we're going to, in the next week or two, we're going to do a, a podcast style video conversation to address some of these issues. Because so, you can't do this on a Sunday to Sunday basis all the time. But there are a lot of questions out there. If you do have questions and you want us to answer some of those questions on the podcast, that is, we won't, we won't email, email them to us, but we won't email you individually. But we will um, try to address it in that podcast as much as we can. There's a lot of different discussions, a lot of things, we, a lot of avenues, a lot of conversations we can have. But I, I hope you're hearing the heart of a believer. We need to be Christ-like. And we'll cover some of these other things that I, that I wasn't able to get to. But I pray you hear the heart of Jesus. Let's continue to preach this gospel. Don't, don't get distracted. Stay focused. Let's, let's pray for our government. That's, the, that's what we're told to do. Father, I thank you for the people. I thank you for every single person that's hearing this word. I pray that you help us unravel, help us to rightly divide the word of God, help us to understand the heart, the, the humility, the honor, the respect that we should have. And we truly don't see them as our enemy. We, uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. Father, help us to see this. Help us to walk in honor. Help us to walk in obedience and help us have an attitude when we, we have to disobey when it comes to a clear direction from God Himself to us. We pray for this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.